Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Guy Midkiff with Wise Guy Talks. And today in this episode number seven, we're going to be talking to good old Matty Pease, a Marine Corps buddy of mine going way back. And he wrote a very thought-provoking uh, post on his blog site recently. And, he, and, it, and the, the name of the post was, Is It Time to Leave the GOP? And in his post, he goes back to some frustrating times prior to Trump, uh, 2014 and before, and some of the frustrations that he experienced um, being a Republican in the GOP. So if you guys are ready to go, let's take off with episode number seven, Is It Time to Leave the GOP? Matt, I read your um, your blog post, and again, I've, I've already said it, but it's, it's thought-provoking, and it kind of brought, brought back some bad memories of the GOP um, myself. And I'm kind of curious... Where were you, state of mind, when you decided to write this? I mean, what inspired you to write this post? Well, I, what inspired me to write this post was that it feels like there's a, a big part of the GOP establishment who are trying to move back in time to it, a GOP as it existed before uh, Trump's presidency. And... The, the thing about that is uh, when I look back at my own politics before the Trump presidency, I was a longtime Republican who felt uh, disaffected and unrepresented by the GOP, unrepresented by the GOP, pardon me. And uh, so in like late 2014 or so, I... I left the Republican Party and changed my registration at that time in the state of Kentucky to independent. Uh, I felt like they they didn't represent me and I really felt like they didn't really stand for anything. It was more like they were the anti-Obama uh, party more so than the pro-anything party. And they seemed to enjoy the minority status where they could just complain about what the other side was doing, but I didn't hear, I didn't hear the type of proposals coming from them to move us forward and make us better. And in uh, 2015, when Donald Trump came along, uh, he 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 said a lot of things which. I cringed at the way he said them sometimes because I understand how politics work. Uh, but he was saying things that resonated with me as far as what my desires for our policies and programs would be moving forward. Uh, so I was like, wow, I'm, I'm interested in this. So I came back into the Republican Party. I, I moved to Florida in 2016. and. I changed my voter registration from Kentucky to Florida. And when I did, I came back uh, to the Republican Party, which I'd been part of for about almost 40 years and had left for a couple of years. And, and then I came back. So I came back to the GOP because I wanted to be part of the Trump movement. And uh, so that, that's kind of where I, where I was at. And, and when I wrote the blog, I was thinking, my goodness, they're trying to take us back to exactly where we were when I didn't feel like they were representing me. I didn't feel like I was part of any movement that, that they had anything to do with. 
And if that's the case, that's fine. Then, then I have to decide, am I, am I more opposed to what the Democrats are doing and willing to stay in the Republican Party to support that? Or do I need to find someplace else that better represents how, how I feel about our country, how I feel about our policies, whether it's foreign policy, domestic policy, uh, defense, etc. It, it just seemed like I have to find uh, some place that I fit in because I don't fit in with the Republican Party anymore. What are, what are some of the ideas that separate, you know, what you would like to see in the Republican Party as opposed to what uh, the George Bush type, uh, John McCain type of uh, Republican represented? Well, it's funny that you mentioned George Bush because uh, as you were asking your question and I started trying to formulate the answer, uh, George Bush is, is the first person that came to mind because in, in, uh, during the George W. Bush presidency, uh, I, I remember the, the whole free trade uh, debate and discussion. And I, I was fully on board with that at that time. I, I was fully on board with uh, the idea that let the market drive uh, trade and we need to either compete with it or for American consumers then a better choice might might be uh, to buy from somewhere else. Uh, but it really became uh, clear to me that American workers were being sold out because the interest, well, money wasn't being put back into factories or manufacturing or anything. Uh, companies were looking for an easier way out to find cheaper labor and, and uh, less restrictive uh, laws. And I started really feeling like American workers were, were being left behind. And what I saw in Trump, which was different, was this desire to compete with those foreign interests and give American workers and American businesses uh, leverage to do that, uh, whether it's tax, ad tax advantages to staying here or reducing the red tape and, and some of the restrictions that American businesses uh, operate under and potentially going tit for tat on tariffs or trade restrictions that some foreign players, the, the Chinese comes to mind right away, that they impose on us, we'll give them some of the same business straight back. And all of a sudden you start to see this resurgence in, in American productivity and a slight movement away from being that service economy that, that we were moving into. The other the other uh, piece of, of it that comes to mind uh, first and foremost, also is this military interventionist uh, uh, U.S. where every foreign problem is something that the U.S. would, would take on and, and sometimes with no real uh, positive end in sight. I believe in a strong military, but, you know, I don't like the idea that we've got troops in harm's way in, in six or eight different countries, sometimes in places that you don't even know they're there and in harm's way, when there's really no, you know, there's no defined victory or no defined success. Uh, and 
and Trump came along and, and uh, questioned that. And I, I just saw that the Republican Party and the Democrats uh, uniformly supported those types of in- interventions for the betterment of who? I, I, you know, I don't know. If there's no end game, if there's no defined victory or success, then, then what's the point? Are we just generating military dollars or, or are we are we protecting I don't know you know so I, I don't really know what what we are or were doing but uh, Trump came along and, and wanted to change that there's a lot of other issues immigration blah 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 but those are the first two that come to mind hey Matt uh, great point uh, I just want to know let you know that I read your post you actually brought up the, the, the thing that I thought about it and it, it actually made me uh Think about where we're heading. I'm going to get back to your points later. But first, I voted for McCain. I voted for uh, Romney. And guess your article made me think that I wasted my votes because those two candidates did not represent us at all. And look at what they are doing now. I mean, McCain, you know what he did. Uh, Romney... You know what he's trying to do. So I'm looking for, like you, I'm looking for the Republican Party that is going to represent me, the American people. And back to your point, Trey, only Trump is the first president that actually see China the way China is, which is a, a, the greatest threat to the American people to this day. And nobody's doing anything about it except for Trump. I'm looking for a party that's going to defend us as a country, as a people, in terms of trade, in terms of foreign affairs, military. Trump is the first president that did not start a war. And before he came into office, remember, they kept saying that he's going to start a war. He's going to start a war. I'm at the point like you. I want to bring all our troops home. You're ex-military. I'm ex-military. And Guy is ex-military. We love our troops. I think it's about time that we say, F the world. They can do whatever they want, but don't touch us. Once you touch us, I want us to go all out with a strong military and pound them until they give up. That's my policy. Is I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this over and over again that we send troops over there. Why should we have troops over in North Korea? What is it, 30,000 now or still? Yeah, we have it's South Korea, but the, South the, Korea, we we, uh, we go somewhere and we never come back. I mean, the, the Korean War is almost 70 years ago now, yeah, and and we you know we've been there. All this time, I think I think if you spend a certain amount of time uh, in South Korea in in the U.S. military, that still, believe it or not, that still qualifies you to join the veterans of foreign wars, because it's still we're still acting like it's st- you're still in a war zone. Yeah, it's about time. Uh, we, it's we... yeah, it's time to it, it's time. I I, I agree, Nathan. I, I totally agree. Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Romney. And McCain, I could go back just a little further than that because 
I, I sort of felt the same way about Bob Dole, although I liked Bob Dole quite a bit. Uh, but but in Dole and uh, McCain and then Romney, I never felt like the Republican Party had somebody running for president who really represented me or really represented America's best interests. I always compromised and said, well, this guy is a little bit better than the Democrats, so I'm going to have to support him. But I never felt any enthusiasm about any of the three of those uh, candidates. Uh, and and Trump came along, and he wasn't near the politician that any of those three were as far as the way he comported himself and, and the way he articulated things. But I felt in my heart like, wow, this guy actually represents me where those other guys didn't. Those other guys were just a less awful alternative to the Democrats. Uh, so I supported him for that reason. Uh, and that that's what I feel like this is going back to. Uh, I've referred a lot uh, in conversations and in my mind as I, as I try to analyze things. They want to go back to what I would call the unit party. One real, it's really only one party. Uh, and the, the differences are just marketing. But when it gets down to the back room uh, and they're making their deals, they're all cashing in together. And it, it just feels like they want, that's what they want to go back to. Agree. Uh, <clears throat> I think one of the interesting things here in this conversation is it points out the fact that throughout history, the Republican Party has typically tried to find middle ground. If you go back to the time of Tip O'Neill, when he was the powerful East Coast, um, was he a senator, I guess? <clears throat> they always tried to find middle ground. I mean, they would argue with each other pretty viciously, but they would go play golf and eat dinner together in the evening, uh, the Republicans and the Democrats. But we've lost that completely. I mean, these two parties have become fractured immensely. And I think to some extent, the reason that that... I think I can hear some noise in the background there. Um, Sorry, my wife My wife left an hour. Uh, doorbell lets you know when you're coming and going. <laughs> sounds uh, like, sounds like uh, maybe we should be doing a commercial for Ring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the point that I wanted to make was um, I don't think the movement has ever been on the, the left or the Democrat side to find common ground. They've always uh, it's kind of like negotiating with the Chinese. As long as you move towards them, it's considered a successful negotiation. But I think for the first time in history, Trump held up his middle finger and he said, no way. Uh, are we going to negotiate some of these points such as abortion and border control, uh, saving American jobs? Those are non-negotiable. And I think that that is one of the reasons that we're seeing such a big bifurcation now between Republicans and Democrats. Guy, Guy, I'd like to uh, uh, say something about uh, your point there that I think is how I understand things. And it's the way Democrats will use the word progressive. Uh, and I don't know if this is how it's intended, but you talked about how Republicans have been willing to compromise. And I think the progressive mentality, progressive is an excellent word to, to describe what they do. And that is uh, progressively take each one 
of these little compromises and move and move things further and further to their position. So if, if, uh, if you're arguing between five and 10 uh, and you're willing to come to nine, now the argument they move it to be between four and nine when you come to eight, and, and pretty soon they got yet two or three and it's pretty doggone close to one, which is where they wanna be. Uh, so progressively, uh, they keep trying to pull further and further in their direction and Republicans in their stupidity have been willing to compromise, 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 compromise over the years when they don't realize that what they're doing is each time taking one step further away from people like me and one step closer to where to where politically the other end of the spectrum is trying to draw them. Uh, that, yes. That's what I think has happened and why why everybody got so frustrated and why Trump finally saying, hey, wait a minute, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We should be uh, this, we should be closing our borders, build a wall, and then let people in in an orderly fashion after they've been vetted and after we're sure that that, that person is, is going to be right for America when they get here. Uh, well, you brought, and, yeah, you brought up uh, the progressive, uh, well, the, the progressive movement back in when uh, Theodore Roosevelt, that was a different prog progressive movement. The modern progressive movement, you got all sort of things involved. You got race, you got uh, the LGBT, you got all sort of minority groups that they include in, and you got the socialists that are involved. So the progressive movement, they're out there and they, they, they're rolling, they're talking, they're getting out of the street, they're getting your face. And what do a conservative do? You back down. Yeah, you make compromises. And, and uh, you know, I didn't mention it as far as Trumpism and my support of Trump, but the two biggest things that weren't policy-wise but were more uh, of a mindset uh, that I liked was, number one, everything he said uh, flew in the face of political correctness and identity politics. And, and... I said, hallelujah, that's <laughs> the hallelujah, uh, because identity politics, politics and, and, uh, and these things, they're just, they make things worse, not better. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the decrees that Trump made recently was that uh, no more critical race theory being taught in schools. And that really hits uh, at the heart of things for uh, Cato and myself, we both have kids in a local school where we're kind of going through that. You know, there is a paradox involved in all this, isn't there? And, and the paradox is if, if, if we're so frustrated with what the uh, Republicans are doing and we vote for H. Ross Perot, um, that may put somebody into power that we don't necessarily want to put into power. Matt? Yeah, yeah I, I think that's the dilemma uh, in in Georgia to some extent, uh, and you know I don't know I don't know if you know staying home is is a good choice uh, when what what you'd be looking at is is Charles Schumer as a Senate Majority Leader uh, if if you do that 
at the same time, you called it a dilemma, right? A, a difficulty between two choices. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other option is uh, you see, I think it's likely you're going to see Trump uh, leave office on January 20th and you're going to see a Biden uh, presidency. And, and then the other option is you put Mitch McConnell as majority leader uh, right back in the same position they were in 2014, uh, where uh, they're in the minority and they, and they make their money to just point and criticize, but they never get anything done. And, and uh, it's a really hard, it is a dilemma. It's a really hard place to be for me. Uh, I, I don't know if it's time for conclusions, but I've, I've come to the conclusion that if I change my registration back to independent, which I was for just that short period in 2014 and 15, if I change my uh, party affiliation back to independent, that doesn't mean I can't vote for a Republican candidate, uh, but it is sending them a signal that I, I'm not on board with the status quo and I'm not on board with, with you guys going back to the way it was. And heaven help them if, if Trump starts his own Make America Great Party or the American Greatness Party or, or the America First Party, heaven help them because I, I think there's a lot of us uh, that, that would sign on board pretty quickly and I think it would have a lot more traction than H. Ross Perot had uh, 25 years ago or however long ago that was. And uh, I think you'd see some independents come over, quite a few Republicans come over, and I think you'd even see some Democrats come over. I'm one. I'm one that would support that. I I like the idea that Trump would what seventy two million, uh, people that voted for him. I mean, he has a coalition that is very powerful. You talk about, uh, Hispanics. You talk about blacks, women. I mean, you can include all groups in it. That's a very powerful seventy two million people, and I think it's about time that we question the Republican Party. What, what are they doing? Where do they stand on trade, on uh, the military? I think Trump, believe it or not, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, the optics w with him coming out is not that great. But his policy, look at his policy, military-wise. I mean, I like the idea that we're not going to expand our troops, not going to bring, bring home our troops, and then... Something happened, we're going to bomb them. I mean, we're going to react, and we're going to react quick and fast. Uh, it's about time to bring our boys home. Uh, Nathan, I think you're spot on. And, and just think about it. Uh, think about the news in the last couple of months out of, out of Syria that Defense Department and State Department officials misled Trump about how many troops we had in Syria they misled the commander-in-chief about those troops that were deployed for fear that he would order them brought home. That the commander-in-chief might decide he didn't want troops somewhere, that they wanted them. Yes. And these are the people that, these are the people that are coming back into power. I know, it's Not that they have a left power, right? Because they, 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 they fought Trump tooth and nail from within. Yes. But, but now, now with Biden coming in, they, they've got all the reins again. It's just a bad thing for our country. You know, Matt, um, you know that I've been hot on this topic for a long time, and I don't think 
the generals uh, served this country well, and I'm extraordinarily disappointed. I wrote, uh, I'm not going to mention the general's name. I know certain people are sensitive to it. But I wrote a very fiery retort to a particular general that was recommending, I thought, seditious actions against a sitting president. And that's what that was the turning point to me when I saw what these guys were doing. They don't honestly, they don't give a shit about the Lance Corporal Marine out there. They really don't. What these guys care about is the perpetual war that we need to have because it's a vicious circle where these guys get, you know, general grade promotions. They get out, go right out the revolving door and they go to work for Lockheed. They go to work for any number of defense firms and uh, it's money in the bank for them. And I, I think they most of them. Now, I know there are example, uh, um, you know, uh, generals that don't fit the bill in that. I'm speaking with a broad brushstroke here, but the damage that they did. Uh, to Trump, you just put that put that into the the mix of the death by a thousand cuts that was incurred by Trump. One of the reasons I think everybody this morning um, loves Trump so much is because he's been been willing to um, endure endure those kind of uh, attempts to kill him. Death, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Guy, when you when you mention the general grade officers, I, I'll take it down a couple of notches. Just think about that Lieutenant Colonel Vindman in, yeah. in Ukraine. Uh, you, you, here you got a guy who's attached to the State Department as, as I guess he was a military liaison. And he was, he was countermanding Trump foreign policy, uh, you know, because, because the commander in chief and the guy in charge of foreign policy on our company, country, in his, in his opinion, was getting it wrong, and and I think that's what the general grade officers uh, were doing as well. That they 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 had this sense that Trump didn't know what he was doing because he wasn't doing what they thought should be done, uh, and in instead of making the case to him and then living with his decision, instead they start this insidious process of trying to undermine him and and leaking things and so on and so forth. And it's just uh, it, it's just a shame. Yeah. And and I, I count them, unfortunately, as part of the political establishment. And some of them are Republican and some of them are Democrat. Uh, but that's the direction the country is going after Trump unless unless we can force it to go somehow somewhere else. And, right. and right now, I think you're at least two or four years away from being do, able to do that, it looks like to me. Uh so we're already at the 30 minute mark. That's how quickly this wow. stuff happens. I know. And so I'm blown away by that, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to break this into three finishing segments. Uh, Cato, if you've got any questions you want to ask for, uh, Matt and then Matt, a concluding statement by you within that concluding statement, you know, how people can find you, your blog, uh, and they could reach out to you. Plus I'll add that. Uh, within the text that goes out with this podcast. So Nathan, do you have any? Yeah. Hey, Matt, thanks for that uh, post. Uh, it made me some uh, do some uh, self-reflection. And uh, this conversation today really makes me think that we ought, to, we ought to not go the way that's been done for the past 60 years where you just vote either side, Democrat or Republican, and the American people are screwed, whether it's uh, left or right. 
I think it's about time that Trump takes a hold of this and form his freaking own party where you go and tell the American people that I'm fighting for you, for you and me, the American people, whether it's left or right, in terms of trade, jobs, everything. Yeah, I I, uh, I totally agree, Nathan. I, I couldn't agree more. That doesn't mean I won't vote for Republicans in the future, uh, but I'm going to vote judiciously, and I, w- I want to see people who I feel confident are uh, looking after my interest at, as an American citizen and, and not somebody that's looking after uh, my interests only after other more important interests have, have been addressed. Yes, but what are the options? I mean, if the Republican keeps doing the same things that they are doing, which is not looking after the American people, uh, I mean, am I just going to do the same thing and vote for them over and over again and allow them this, you know, free pass? Yeah, no, no, that's that's right, Nathan. And, and that's that's, I think, the point uh, in my blog post is that as far as I'm concerned, we, we, uh, we have to have uh, viable alternatives. And if Republicans want to provide those alternatives, that's great. Yes. But if we don't see, if we just see the same old stuff, uh, that, then my vote's going to go somewhere else. That's all there is to it. Well, thank you. And, you know, that does bring up a, an a overarching point, Matt, that I wish I had, we would have talked about. Matter of fact, we're just going to talk about it right now. It, <clears throat> what this points to is frustration. But the way out of frustration is a path. And you and I have talked about this in some of our uh, private conversations we have on uh, Cigar Friday where we sit down and smoke uh, a cigar and zoom each other and talk about all the world's problems. It's a thing that I've come to really enjoy, a special time that I I get to have with you and uh, talk about the Marine Corps. But this was one of the subjects that we talked about, Matt, was how do we become a change agent in all of this? I mean, we can't just be pissed off, be a pissed off voter that doesn't go in a vote. We have to try to make a change and do you have any suggestions for a pathway uh, how we can, you know, let the Republicans know the leadership, the constabularies? What are the what are the Italian bosses called? The consiglieries? Yeah, the consiglieri. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, okay, so we, we, uh, we're here, so we might as well just cover it. I, I wrote this blog piece on, uh, on December 3rd that, that we've been sort of formulating our discussion around. And by the way, the blog is Matty P M A T T Y P 57.blogspot.com. Matty P 57.blogspot.com. That's where my blog uh, is. If anybody would like to see it. Uh, but, but when we, when we talked about the, uh, blog post, uh, I think I was telling you, I started to, I copied it and I was trying to massage it and formulate it into a letter to uh, Rona McDaniel, who is the, the, the chair, chair, chairman, chairperson of the Republican Party. 
And I got about halfway done. I was working on it for about a half hour. And I just threw my hands up and I said, what am I going to write to her for? She didn't care what I thought before Trump came along. And she doesn't care what I think now. And that is my, that is my big source of frustration right now is I feel like a lot of Trump supporters, myself included, won't have a voice in the GOP moving forward. And you hit on the point. How, how do we make them listen? And I think, I hate to say it, but I think the way to make them listen is to uh, establish either a new wing of the Republican Party or a third party. And by the way, you could have a third party and there's no reason that a third party couldn't endorse the Republican candidate as their candidate as well. Uh, in New York City, that, that has happened in the past. I think when Mayor Lindsay was elected in New York City, uh, he was a Republican, but he was also endorsed by the Liberal Party. So he had two endorsements running for mayor. He was endorsed by the Republicans and by the Liberal Party. And I think it would be possible to have a third party come up. And if Republicans want to play the game right and, and give us a voice, then it might be possible for them to get the nomination from our party. Uh, just a thought. Yeah, it's it's actually quite common. The Likud party in Israel, for example, is a minority party. I believe it is the minority party. And they attach themselves to one of the other parties to, to, to be a... Uh, they can make or break um, the other primary parties. So these minority parties, these independent parties, whatever you want to call them, can have a profound difference. And maybe you're onto something. But I, I also think that using the power of, of the Internet, uh, the force multiplier, as we say in the Marine Corps, if, if this gets to Ronald McDaniel or other influential geo, uh, you know, Republicans and enough of us, you know, a thousand whispers equals one big yell, you know, yelling at the top of your voice. So I think that if enough people start listening to what you have to say and then they start chiming in, then the conversation begins. We can make sure that the Republicans don't lose focus. I think uh, Cato wants to make a, a comment here. And by the way, we're in extra time. We've decided to go past the fourth quarter. I, I just think this is something that must be fleshed out. Well, let's let's do this. Uh, time is uh, of the essence. Uh, let's pick pick up where we're gonna leave today. Thank you so much for the discussion. I think we ought to have this discussion until we have a solution. No solution. We're done as a republic. And and with that, I will. Uh, I'm gonna read one of the more passionate uh, portions of what you wrote, and it kind of gives an idea. Of, of how you feel in totality about what's happening to the Republican Party. And I'll, I'll warn you guys in advance, uh, we, do, we are going to drop the F-bomb here, but I think it's appropriate. I really do. It shows it, it's probably one of the more flexible words in the English lexicon, and it has a lot of meaning to it. So here we go. This is uh, what Matt said towards the end of his uh, blog post. Senator Lee of Utah's supporting of eliminating some green card restrictions so big tech can get their overseas workers. Matt goes on to say, fuck Americans out of work during a pandemic and its shutdowns. 
Fuck America first. Well, guess what, Senator Lee, GOP, and U.S. Uh, Senate? Fuck us? No, Senator Lee. Fuck you. Boy, that really sounds uh, really neat when a guy is reading it to me. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I read it's, that post. Yeah, it's what got my attention. But, uh, hey, you can find us very simply now. We're on Spotify, and all you have to do is type in Wise Guy Talks with an S. Um, and we're also on Google Podcasts, so all you have to do is go into your Google search engine, and uh, and you can find us there. We record this on a new program that I've found that I really like. It's got a free app. It's called Clean Feed. And uh, man, it's phenomenal. It allows us to mix all the audio tracks in at one time. Um, they've really got a hell of a service going on over there. And they also have a paid service as well. Matt Polari, you're awesome as always. Semper Fi, brother. Uh, Semper Fi. Right on. And Cato, even though you were in the Army, I'm not going to hold that against you. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody take care. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to Wise Guy Talks.